Card presents Back Issue Bloodpath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Petula Neal. What do you get for the man who has everything? His heart's desires, maybe your own dark desires to finally have a win over the guy that can beat you. Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Petula Neal. And it is a new year here on Back Issue Bloodbath. It's 2024, folks. And I thought, what better way to kick off 2024 than by looking back at 1985, looking back at a classic story with an iconic character. That's Superman Annual 11 for the man who has everything, written by Alan Moore, with art by Dave Gibbons. So the Watchmen team working on DC's Big Blue. Petula, had you ever read this story before? Absolutely not. I 100% would have remembered this one. Yeah. 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 Although I like the mention of one of my favorite soup stories. You get a little bottle soda candor at the end. This is considered one of the classic single-issue stories of Superman. It's been retold in animated form for Justice League Unlimited. It's also been told uh, in live action form, but with Supergirl in a similar story. But the idea here is that it's Superman's birthday. Superman's celebrating his birthday, his Kryptonian birth, and Wonder Woman, Batman, and the new Robin, Jason Todd, have traveled to the Fortress of Solitude to celebrate this momentous day with him and give him some gifts. But when they show up there, Superman is standing in the middle of his room with a plant growing into his body and his face in a trance. He's not moving whatsoever. Turns out that a gift was sent to him that is basically like a parasite. It's called the Black Mercy. This is the first time it would ever appear in comics. It would come back later in certain stories. Uh, I believe Green Lantern has used it. And the idea is this parasite lives off your body while it keeps you in a dreamlike state in whatever your heart desires. And it turns out that Superman, his deep down desire is to have never had to leave the planet Krypton, to have gotten to grow up with his own people and live a life a bit more ordinary, you know? Do some Fred Flintstone type work, work in the land, doing a working man's job, coming home, seeing your apparently celebrity actress wife and, uh, you know, your good kids. And, you know, that's the life he's living. But there's a bit of darkness to the life that keeps coming in, which is making him question if it's at all real. Yeah, he definitely, in his heart's desire, and it could be that, and it probably is a part of his brain builds in something that he's going to resist. But also, I would just go no contact with this version of his father. Well, you know, it's funny because it's like it's become, I don't know if this, I think this might have been the thing that set it up. But ever since then, when people do stories that bring his father back into, whether it's like something happens, time travel, alternate dimensions, memories, locked in a fantasy world, stuff like that. Jorel always ends up being a bad guy. And in this, he goes from just being a disgruntled politician to 
basically somebody that would have been on the freaking doorstep during January 6th. Yeah. Had a theory. It didn't work out. And he's just gone down the rabbit hole and never came back out. Yeah. Let me hang out with religious extremists and right wing people and try to overthrow the government. Good times. The passive aggressive, like deliberately saying the wrong name for your grandchild because you wanted your son to name them after your wife. Yeah. It's like, this child has existed for a while. This isn't like a a slight difference in name. Yeah. You just call the kid by a different name. That's yeah. that's shady. Now, I kind of think is that because it's supposed to be it's in Superman. It's in Superman subconscious. Do you think maybe this whole painting your dad as a villain within your own fantasy is kind of you know, he holds a grudge. He's he's unhappy that he his father sent him off in a rocket ship years ago, giving him Obviously. Yeah. 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 He's definitely got a lot of things to work out. And there's all different theories about when to tell a child they're adopted. But you know what? Jonathan Mark did the best they could. His circumstances were a little unique. But then on top of that, to then find out later the real reason you were given up, it's not, you know, your traditional Terran concerns of not ready. Maybe this wasn't a choice that I made, blah, blah, blah. Or even like being pressured in by family. It's your family was aware of something like a world ending catastrophic situation and they were essentially preppers but they couldn't get ready for everyone to go in time so they just sent you so it's this weird kind of resentment gratitude but he also didn't get that information like all throughout his formative kind of years it kind of came later in info dump so yeah he's not i don't think he's really properly dealt with any of this He's not really a big therapy guy either. I think that's probably one of the things him and Clark really have in common. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. him and him and uh, Bruce. Him and Bruce. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Him and Bruce. And, and and speaking of people who have issues, what a great outing for Jason Todd. We'll we'll put a pin in his comments about Wonder Woman's entire side. And sir, really in your outfit, you're really whipping stuff around. <laughs> Near that invisible jet, like <laughs> yeah, you you both got bare legs and tight, yeah. tight short shorts. So I mean, at least her boots come up to her knee. Come on, yeah. Uh, but yeah, what a great outing for Jason, another person who's not great at dealing with their issues. He's doing some real good problem solving on his own. I was really proud of the little guy. Yeah, no, he actually does some detective work and figures out oh, maybe the way to handle this plan is these protective gloves that Superman has left on the ground or sorry that Mongol is left on the ground. Let me, let me pick those up and then let me find Mongol and throw it at him. Cause that's yeah. the, that's the thing. The big villain of this story is Mongol who basically used a transportation tube and the opportunity of Superman's birthday to make his way into the fortress of solitude. Because at this time of year, people from various galaxies and planets send Superman gifts for his birthday because of the things he's done out in space, both 
recently and as Superboy and stuff. And so they send by a teleportation tube various gifts. And so Mongol used that to first send the gift of the Black Mercy and then waited a little bit and used that same teleportation tube to then get into the Fortress of Solitude and see his handiwork. He didn't expect Superman's friends to show up, but at the same time was almost excited being like, Oh, I don't just get to watch Superman die, but I can kill his friends too. And so he basically says, which one of you guys do I kill first? And Wonder Woman being the strongest attacks him and he realized, Oh, okay. So this is the one. And the two of them begin a battle all through the fortress of solitude. Meanwhile, Batman, who's supposed to be the detective, is figuring out how do we get this plant off of him. And he's not very smart in this situation. Just starts going, let me just start yanking on it. You know, let me not think about the situation. About, I've just been explained to me that this is a parasite plant. Maybe I should have some kind of protective garb or something while trying to get this off. And of course, when he does finally get it off Superman because Superman fights off the effects of the plant, it attaches to him. And so there's a lot of stuff going on in here. There's you've got the fantasy world that Superman is dealing with. You've got Batman and Robin trying to get this plan off Superman. You've got Mongol and Wonder Woman just fighting through the entire place. And Mongol isn't even breaking a sweat. Yeah, he's just wailing on her. Like, yeah. he's, he's really playing with his food. Yeah, he's like, okay, so if this is the strongest one, I'm going to, because the other, the other two are going to be quick. So I'm going to really take my time with this one. Mongol is probably one of the more interesting Superman villains. And I think it's because his motivations are all very simple. He just wants to prove to Superman he's better. And I find that when you have simple antagonists with Superman, you actually get the most out of a Superman story because stuff like Lex Luthor and something like that, you have to come up with so many complex connections and plans and stories to really keep him in the game because it's all an intellect game. With this, it's all just pure emotion. Mongol just wants to be better than Superman. Mongol wants to get revenge on Superman. Mongol wants to hurt Superman. And he wants to do it in a way that will know that it will hurt him in his soul. And I find those are kind of the better ones when they're trying not to prove that they're, that they can beat Superman at his game, but instead just be like, no, I just want to hurt him. I want to hurt him real bad. Because unlike a Batman who his whole identity is, about the things he can do, right? Superman's identity is about trying to find, quote-unquote, his humanity, his connections to others, because he never knew his home planet and things like that. And so, yeah, so when it's like something, a character like Mongol, I enjoy because it is about just wanting to hurt Superman. What I do like, the best moment, I think, in this, where... It's right after he's fought off the Heart's Desire plant. Yeah, the Black Mercy. He's just like, who did this to me? That panel, he looks his most alien. Yeah. That he does in this whole uh, story. And it's a moment of him 
having come out of this fantasy, but he was like living on Krypton and comes out and he's fully ready to just tune whoever did this to him up. There's no trace of Kansas in this yeah, moment. Yeah, he's lost his humanity because of the rage that he's feeling. Yeah. Yeah, I love this look on him. It's great. Yeah, well, yeah. then you get that moment. And, of course, Mongol, because he's more excited that he hurt him so much, isn't thinking about the repercussions of it and kind of just presents it to him like, I gave you exactly what you wanted for your birthday. I gave you your heart desire, and now you're in pain. Isn't this awesome? And so Superman, of course, goes burn and starts just using that heat yeah. vision on him and yeah. kicking the crap out of Mongol to a point that if Batman and Wonder Woman and Robin weren't there, Mongol would probably be no more. He would not have stopped. He would have just kept going. Yeah, I love this look on him. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This whole, it's very Alan Moore. It's... This is a horror story. Like yeah. you, you have the, you know, dream sucking plant. You have your alien going full rage monster. You have this creature wailing on Wonder Woman just, just for lols. Yeah. Yeah. And like the new kid on the job who people are still mistaking for the old guy having to just figure stuff out himself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then also you get this the crazy He's real final girl in this. I love yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. You got the crazy kind of turn on a dime storyline that once Mongol is finally captured and Superman's calmed down, they go back to the planned birthday celebration and it's all like ho 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 we're superheroes and it's sort of like Ooh, that kind of feels weird too. You know, that feels kind of creepy that suddenly they've all put back on their guise of civility, you know? Like Clark, Bruce, I'm assuming we all know what your heart's desire was. Mine was very similar. Perhaps we should, I don't know, take a beat, feel our feelings. Again, therapy. Yeah. No, no, we're just going to have you know a little joke moment of him going to like replace his own model of the bottle city of candor so he his friend doesn't know that she got him something the man who has everything that he already has, he has a, yeah yeah exactly. and you know batman coming with a busted up plant again terrible gift after the day they've had <laughs> literally the worst gift next to something that he has already it's tough that they don't deal with the fact that i mean Batman's time in Plant Heart Desire Zone, a little bit less, but we see alternate version of his parents not dying. Yeah, and, and that apparently he grew up and uh, was it, uh, you know, had a regular, well, regular life of a billionaire, I guess. So, <laughs> so maybe it was for the best. Yeah. But I <laughs> yeah. Billionaires, not yeah. great. Not great. No, definitely yeah. not. Oh, my gosh. Now, this whole story came about because, of course, Alan Moore started working at DC on, like, Swamp Thing. He was putting in proposals for other stories. And Dick Giordano approved Watchmen with Moore and Gibbons, and they were working on the planning and everything like that. And shortly after that that was approved, Julius Schwartz, another editor, asked Dave Gibbons if he could draw a Superman story. 
And Gibbons said, yeah, yeah, I can, I can work it into the schedule. And Schwartz said, okay, you can choose your own writer for this. And so Gibbons immediately picked more because the two were working so close together at the time and uh, more put together for the man who has everything. His original pitch did not involve Wonder Woman. That was originally supposed to be Supergirl. But because of the impending crisis on Infinite Earths and the planned death of Kara Zor-El, he was asked by the editors, can you take her out and use Wonder Woman instead? And so he went along with it and put her in. But yeah, originally it was supposed to be Supergirl. So that there was more of a familial Krypton connection. So that there'd be the idea. I think probably his original idea is that Kara would be out there fighting Mongol while in his head, she'd be living a nice life on Krypton with him as his cousin. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, so a lot of stuff went into that. Of course, he picked from a lot of different things for the fantasy. Of course, he brought in Lila Leroy, who is a Kryptonian actress who had been mentioned before, just once or twice in comics. But in the original stories, she was already a full-grown adult woman while he was a baby. So, I don't know, maybe kind of like in Superman's fantasy that they happen to be the same age sort of thing that happened. And then there's also a mention of the TV show Nightwing and Flamebird, which is kind of like the Kryptonian version of Batman and Robin that uh, Superman and Jimmy Olsen created during a visit to the bottle city of Kandor, which would go on to inspire Dick Grayson to take the name Nightwing when Superman told him stories of Nightwing and Flamebird. So all these little tidbits within the story. And so, yeah, so for a a hardcore DC fan, hardcore Superman fan, there's a lot of moments in here. Of course, the introduction of the Black Mercy, these little things about uh, Krypton's past, all that stuff is in there. But for somebody who's just picking up a comic and goes, oh, I like Superman, this is a really interesting, intense read that kind of gives you everything you would want in a Superman story. And uh, for folks that like their Superman with just a little more hint of murder in them. Boy, this is definitely <laughs> the one. Again, base you. human emotions in this. All base human emotions. Yeah. 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 yeah he's no. really embracing that uh, impulse to just do ultra damage. Like, he's now, not pulling any punches in that last fight. Now, the one thing out of all the stuff that happens in this book, the one thing that seems kind of, oh, that's kind of odd is Superman thanking Wonder Woman for his gift. They full-on make out. <laughs> yeah. They full-on make out, and they go, they go, oh, we've never done that before. And one, I'm not sure if it's Wonder Woman or Superman, who says, perhaps we should do that again sometime. And I'm like, huh. Yeah, it's, yeah, she says, I don't know, too predictable? You're probably right. But they just do, and they just do it right in front of, Batman yeah. and Robin. Yeah. Like there's no, oh, let's, you know, do this while he's going to, you know, get the plant out of, I don't know, Batwing or whatever. It's just, yeah, this fully Mac on each other. It, it was weird, but they yeah. had a weird day. They had yeah. a weird day. Again, base human emotions. All right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Adrenaline's pumping. They yeah. both had big fights. She got wailed on. He did some wailing. Yeah. 
and Batman just gets to watch. I think Which, Batman, Batman, I think, you I know think what? Fine Bat- with yeah, that. I think Batman yeah. likes to watch. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's really what his kink is. Yeah. There you go. Oh my God. But, uh, but yeah, the artwork in this, of course, is Dave Gibbons. So everything is like kind of larger than life in this. A, a stark contrast to what he would do in Watchmen, where people look much more like run down and realistic. This is an idealized look at superheroes, villains, or like he's got the barrel chest on Superman. He's got the gargantuan size of Mongol. He looks so destructive. Wonder Woman is on point, and uh, Jason Todd looks smaller than he usually does. So I feel like it's kind of like him playing with the idea of this rookie hero sort of thing. So yeah, so a lot of really good visual storytelling in this book. Yeah, his body in a couple of panels in relation, especially when they have him in the same frame as Superman. He just looks very, very delicate. And when he puts on the gloves to handle the plant, they kind of take up his whole arms. Yeah. Definitely Batman has a type. So, you know, you're getting a bit more, especially when he's sort of climbing up on the rope. You're getting that flying Grayson vibe in the in the follow up kid. Mm. Yeah, it's it's entirely just disturbing that he brings these children along. (laughs) 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 He's very, very dangerous place. It's like, how about wait till Clark comes back to town and he'll bring him to this like. No, we're going to bring him to the glacier. Let's go to the glacier. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) In his shorts. Yeah. It's wild. He's wild for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Part of me is also I think it's just funny that they do all show up in costume because they're not friends with Clark. They're friends with Superman. Like, again, that's very it wouldn't be until post-crisis that the idea of them all being much more personable with each other would come into play. Back then, it was very much like we're friends with the superhero persona of you. So we're going to come as superheroes sort of thing. Yeah, let's not show up in parkas and snowshoes. That would no. make no sense. No, of course not. Yeah. I think I think Wonder Woman would be fine regardless because I think her body is just accumulated to any type of weather situation because Amazons just do it better sort of thing. But yeah. Uh, but yes, the very human Batman and Robin should not be in their just regular costumes heading up to freaking Glacier, you know? <laughs> so. Exactly. Oh man. Well, as a first pick, I think for the year, I think, I think this was a, this was a fun one. I mean, it's great. And all of the Mongol and Mongol and Clark stuff, it's just straight up horror comic. It's just gorgeously grotesque. Yeah. 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 Nothing scarier than a big yellow face just coming at you. And tentacles. It's basically hentai-esque in a couple of these panels. <laughs> yes, the, the Black Mercy <laughs> is the introduction to America of tentacle porn. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, we've come to the end of another episode of Back Issue Bloodbath. Matula, where can the good folks find you? At innotiff.com, on social things, at Obesa Cantabit, O-B-E-E-S-A, C-A-N-T-A-V-I-T, and here with you. Of course, you can find everything I do over at geekcardshow.com. 
You can follow me on Twitter at Geek Hard. Follow me on Instagram at Andrew underscore of underscore geek underscore hard. Of course, you can follow this very show on Facebook at Backstage Bloodbath, where we post the new episode every week. And the easiest way to make sure you don't miss an episode is subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. While you're there, leave a five-star rating and review. And then after that, go out and tell a friend that we're talking comics here and that they should listen. Because when we talk and you listen, we all have a good time. Hopefully. I know we do over here. I hope you do as well. This has been Back Your Bloodbath. I've been Andrew Young. I've been Tony. Have yourself a good...